Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, man, I'm glad to be here with you, Dan. How you doing, babe? Yeah, good. Ma- major blowout last night on the Ingram <laughs> Angle where I was on Fox, so we'll, we'll get to that. Listen, uh, yeah. I'm not lying down anymore, and neither should you. Enough of this BS, enough of this crap. Um, I'm not going to sit there and listen anymore, and neither should you, to leftist hacks uh, and, and idiots um, on the air and elsewhere calling us racist, xenophobes, Islamophobes, and everything mm. else. You want to sit back and take it? Fine, but I'm not your guy. Uh, maybe this show isn't for you, but I'm done taking mm-hmm. it. Um, so I'm going to go into this in the beginning of the show today. I also got some other uh, news yesterday from uh, Chuck Ross over at the Daily Caller about some more just stunning information in this whole scandal, monumental, mammoth-like scandal to try to attack and spy on the Trump team. Just amazing stuff. So let's get right to it. Today's show brought to you by buddies at Filter By. Hey, according to the CDC, about 7 million people are getting hit with the flu this year. Many think getting sick has to do with the cold, but that's false. They get sick because they spend more time inside and are exposed to higher concentrations of viruses and pollutants, including the cold and flu virus. If you want to improve your chances this season, start by improving the quality of your air with Filter By. Change out my filters with Filter By. You should, too. America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. This is one of those things that's so easy to kick down, uh, kick the can down the road on. You need good quality air in your house. I spent all my time indoors. You don't want to breathe polluted air. You have to change your air filters. Why not use a company uh, that's uh, here, wants to talk to you, and produces great products right here in America? Sign up for auto delivery today, and you'll save 5% off your order. They have over 600 different sizes, including custom options that ship free within 24 hours, plus they manufacture all their uh, filters right here in the great old US of A. Same time. Save money and give yourself an edge. It's cold and flu season. That's filterby.com, filterbuy.com, filterby.com. Tell them the Dan Bongino show sent you. We would really appreciate that. Filterby.com. Okay. You know, um, Joe, give me a moment here. I, um, <laughs> sorry, I This is going to be uh, maybe a bit emotional for me. But when I was younger, I, my grandmother on my mother's side, who I, I love to death, God rest her soul, one of the most loving women I ever met in my life or Life was changed completely when she lost her young son, my uncle Greg, in Vietnam. It was kind of, uh, you know, very uh, heart wrenching for me to go back there to Hanoi recently because I knew how much it meant to my family when my uncle didn't return. He died quite heroically over there, obviously, in the war. But my grandmother was a great woman. I learned a lot of lessons from her. And one of the things she had these sayings, um, <laughs> they were kind of funny. She was a, uh, she was a, uh, you know, all she was Irish, and she, uh, she, the, you know, the Irish they have these great sayings all the time. And one of her sayings always was a, uh, you know, don't you make a scene, don't you? And really, what she was saying, Joe, was she was saying, control yourself, you know, in public, uh, and, and you know, always like we'd be in church, yeah. and the, she used to live in Eatontown, New Jersey, uh, after she moved out of New York. And uh, we would go to this church and they had this section up top for, you know, uh, grandparents and parents with kids in case you started screaming and yelling. So given that me and my younger brothers were always rabble rousers, she would take us upstairs in case things got uh, out of control. And she would always look next, look at me and say, you know, don't you make a scene? Don't you make a scene? And I never forgot that. Um, I love my grandmother, Eileen Sadler, to death. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that advice was great when I was a kid, but it's not great anymore. Um, It's time to make a scene. We are under attack by the left. In some cases, uh, literally. I want to be hyperbolic. I don't want to exaggerate it. Uh, There's a lot of MAGA hat wearing people who luckily haven't been punched in the face yet. 
Mm-hmm. But the incidents of this happening and aggressive violence towards Trump supporters, uh, aggressive confrontation of Trump supporters, the uh, character defamation, ritual character defamation of Trump supporters um, is entirely out of control, Joe. And I'm worried what the end point of this is. Now, uh, last night I was on the Ingram angle uh, in a debate with Star Parker, who's a friend of mine, with a uh, liberal uh I don't even know how to describe this guy. He was just out of control. You want to talk about a guy who lost it um, on the Ingram angle, a guy named Leo Terrell, uh, who happens to be a lawyer who I thought I made a, a reasonable point in the beginning of the show. And he decided that he was going to engage in again, ritual character defamation of Donald Trump. Trump is a racist. You're basically racist for defending Trump. Everybody's a racist. Your dad's a racist. Your mom's a racist. Your family's a racist. You're a racist. He's a racist. They're a racist. Everybody was a racist. And you know, I hate playing clips of myself on the show because some uh. of you saw it last night. I don't mean to be redundant. So we're just going to take a small snippet of how this ended at the end. And listen, I'm not celebrating it. I wish these things wouldn't go down these paths. I certainly didn't initiate this, but you're going to start a fight that I'm damn well going to end it. Joe, play that cut of me confronting Leo Terrell last night who insisted President Trump and his supporters are racist. Star and Dan are afraid of Trump. Okay. They're afraid of Trump. Yeah, no I'm one's afraid, afraid of, of anybody. anybody. You know what, and Leo? I love, I'm I lo- afraid of idiots. Yeah. And that's why I hate going on the air with yeah, guys. And afraid of I ain't lying down anymore. And you shouldn't either. Leo, you're afraid of Trump. Nah, Leo, I'm afraid of idiots. And that's why I hate getting on the air with guys like you. You know, I'm bringing this up because there's this ongoing argument that some of you, know, most of you have very busy lives. And I appreciate you listening to this show to get a one hour summation, nice summary of the day's news, because you have lives. You go to work. You have important lives. You do important work. You're raising important kids. Your children, your family matters to you. You don't have the time every day to read through the entire Wall Street Journal and 6,000 pages of Breitbart, Conservative Review, and Drudge every day. You need a quick summary, and I'm honored that you come here. But there's a fight going on that you may have missed. And this fight is between this wing of the Republican Party. They're, I don't want to call them never Trump anymore. They're, I'll call them just... The, the, you know, they're basically Trump haters. They, they don't they don't want to say never Trump anymore, but they just can't stand Trump. There's this fight brewing right now, and it kind of boiled over this weekend at CPAC. And I bring it up in light of that that cut I just played on Ingram, because this branch of the Republican Party is convinced if we roll over and lie down and we listen to people like Leo Terrell and we just sit back and take it when they call us racist and, and ritually defame our characters on national television, one of the most popular shows, that somehow we're going to be seen in the end as the rational, reasonable ones and we'll win this moral and ethical war and win people over. No, no, that, that's over, folks. It's over. The left does not care. They are not trying to win any kind of moral or ethical war. They're not trying to get to the top of the moral totem pole. They are trying to destroy you. You can choose to fight back or you can choose to lose. There is no option C. I bring it up in light of what happened with that debate and what happened at CPAC because there are Republicans out there that are convinced, absolutely convinced, if you just sit back and take it, that this is the right path in the long run. I read another article this morning, the Washington Examiner, a website I really enjoy. They do good work. It's like the Wall Street Journal that, you know, aren't always aligned with my conservative values, but that's fine. 
Unlike some in the uh, Trump-hating wing of the party, I'm open to other ideas, even when I disagree with them. But there was a piece in the Washington Examiner's point, again, taking it a, a shot at CPAC. CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, where there was some very aggressive talk from people up there, not all of whom I disagree with, some I disagree with their business practices, but nonetheless, people who got up there, Joe, and went for it, took the fight to the left and said, I'm not taking this anymore. I'm not lying down. It stops here now, right now. And instead of understanding that that aggressive posture is needed to fight back against a far-left radical movement that is not intent on winning a moral war. They simply want to destroy you and Donald Trump. What do they do? These, these sellout Republicans turn their attack on CPAC. Oh, CPAC, what a disgraceful event. Oh, my gosh, you had all these horrible people there. Michelle Malkin, you had Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens. Oh, they're all so awful. Keep in mind, these are people with actual audiences who, whether you agree or disagree or you agree with their speech or disagree, you're certainly free to challenge things they say, have actual audiences and may be able to move the needle with people who are actually willing to fight back. While you languish with your 2,000 followers on Twitter writing articles about the Laffer Curve. I love that stuff. Joe, have we not argued and debated economics on this show for now the close to, I don't know, three, four years you've been doing this? This show does facts. It does data. All the time, babe. All the time. time. Yeah. But that has to be measured with a a sense of what tactical efficiency is. And if you think it's tactically efficient to lay down for the Democrats while they call us racists and fools and sit there and try to take some kind of moral high road, man, are you in the wrong fight? This is trench warfare. What did you think this was? Robert's Rules of Order. We're all going to line up. Load your muskets. Fire. Neil. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. That's over, folks. That's over. We're in the era of bankrupting Christian bakers and florists, class warfare, socialism, the death and destruction associated with it, government takeovers of health care, bankrupting of private businesses, the administration, the prior one the Obama administration disagreed with. And you want Robert's rules of order? Line up, fire. You are in the wrong war, brother and sister. You are fighting yesterday's war today. You think I'm making this up? Really, the CPAC thing's unbelievable. I cannot believe how many Republicans have dedicated mounds of ink and internet space on their websites to attacking one of the largest conservative conferences in the country where actual people show up. Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. Joe, you and I have been there. Joe, you and I have had confrontations at CPAC. With people yeah. we disagreed with. The I point is, there it. are actually people there. People yeah. show up. Maybe it's time to turn your fire on the left. Maybe turn the cannons around. I'm not taking it. I love doing those Fox hits. And I I have no fear of a liberal debate at all. But that, you know, I go on the air with Leo or anyone else. You drop that racism bomb to try to defame me and anyone else. You are going to get it back. You're afraid of Trump's Twitter. No, I'm afraid of idiots. And that guy is a lead member, is a colonel in the idiot brigade. Trump's a racist. There is no evidence of that at all. You just want the headline. That's all you want. It's disgusting. Daniel? Now, you think this just ends? Yeah, bud. 
There's a lot of listeners, me included, brother, that have been waiting to hear this come out of your mouth, your mouth, for a long time. A long time. I'm, and thank you Joe, for standing up. I was defended up, last night. I thank mean, you no, for saying listen, it. Yes, sir. No, it matters. I mean, last night. Thank you, Dan. You know, I was tired, but I wasn't, you know, I, I was, I was, I wanted to do the hit. I, I didn't have to right. do it. You know, Fox doesn't obligate you to do any, I mean, you know, within reason to do right. anything. If you want to say no, you can. I mean, the appearance. I don't mean to talk in industry jargon, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do the appearance, even though I knew Leo would be on there and I knew Leo was a bomb thrower. But I've got to tell you, like 20 seconds into that thing, when I saw where he was going, I just, I made a conscious decision. I'm not, no, I'm not doing this. And you know, I tell you folks, I'd rather be, I'd rather be on my own doing my thing, knowing that the base of people out there who understand this is guerrilla warfare now and are looking for fighters, I would rather get your pat on the back in the local diner that I go in there than to have all the Republican Trump-hating intelligentsia who think they're smarter than the rest of us celebrate me in their stupid articles. I don't want it. I don't care. I told my wife exactly that last night. Believe me, it hurts. I don't pretend to have a thick skin. I don't. It hurts. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't feel good when the when when the, when the thinking class and believe me, I'm using that term as a pejorative here of the Republican Party who have failed us for decades when the thinking class attacks you in their pieces. Oh, he's unserious. Really? I was protecting presidents and cracking international fraud rings with the Secret Service linked to terrorism while you were fetching coffee for your bosses, uh, you know, at the weekly standard hard pass on your opinion, jackass. It stinks when they write about you, but I mean this when I tell you this. The fact that the listeners to my show, when I see you, I get a handshake from you and a wink and a nod at the gym when you look at me on that elliptical machine, you go, thanks. That means more to me than the pages of the Weekly Standard or whatever other Trump-hating bulwark, whatever nonsense magazine that writes, oh my gosh, these guys, I don't know what they're doing in the movement. You know what we're doing in the movement? We're winning. I'm not lying down anymore. And I want to celebrate a couple other people who aren't lying down either. I heard a story yesterday about Perry High School in Arizona. A couple teenagers, Joe, showed up wearing MAGA hats with a Trump flag to celebrate some kind Mm. of a celebration of America Day. You would think celebrating the American president on some celebration of America Day would be accepted in in a high school in Arizona. Yeah. Well, of course it wasn't. The principal thought it would be a good idea to throw them out of the school. So the parents taking the we're not lying down approach anymore. And again, I love my grandmother, but her don't make a scene. No, no, you make a scene. Now you make a scene every single time. And my grandmother was a fighter. That's not what she meant by don't make a scene. If she was alive right now, (laughs) she'd be telling me you damn well make a scene. Those parents didn't take it, Joe. That make don't make a scene nonsense went out the way. They showed up at that school, whipped out their cell phone cameras, confronted that principal and administrator, and said, Why was my kid tossed out of school for wearing this MAGA hat? And watch him stutter and stammer through it. You do that every time. You make a scene. You call everybody. You tweet about it. You call the local press. You tweet the president. You tweet Don Jr. Anyone else who will highlight your story. You humiliate and embarrass these people because that's exactly what they did to you. Take Robert's rules of order and throw it in your fireplace. This is guerrilla war now. 
They want to fight with disgusting tactics, humiliating your kid for wearing a hat that says make America great again? You show up at that school and you make them infamous. Send it to me. If it's good, I'll put it out on my Twitter. No problem at all. And I want to give a big hat tip to those parents in Arizona who refuse to lie down. You could have made you could have said, "Oh, we're not going to make a scene here." No, no, you make a scene. You fight back. I'm with you. Joe's with you. The listeners are with you. Mm-hmm. This is not the standard, kneel, fight, shoot, reload. No, no. They're in a different war against us. And keep in mind, folks, any day the radical left wants to return to civility, we'll welcome that with open arms. I don't choose this. I don't relish this. I hate this. And you should too. This is not the America I wanted to be a part of, where I'm not free to practice my Christianity. Free to spend my money on my family without the threat of being put out of business. Being deplatformed by a radical left that's ripping people away from their livelihoods. I didn't choose this. You didn't either. I didn't choose a place where my kid wears a MAGA hat to school and they get thrown out. You chose this. When you want to return to civility, I will welcome you with open arms. But until then, make no mistake. I absolutely understand the war you're fighting, and my eyes are open. I heard another story. Some lady thought it would be a brilliant idea to rip the MAGA hat off a guy and semi-assault this dude. Her name was Rosian Santos. Uh. Well, that guy with the MAGA hat did the right thing. You never lay your hands on a woman. So what did he do? He called the cops. Mm-hmm. Well, our friend Rosian Santos, and I use that term loosely, friend... Apparently he was in the country illegally. He's looking at potential deportation. Sorry. Too bad. So sad. That's what the cops are there for. Don't get into a fight. Don't. You'll be sued. It's not worth it. I'm Defend yourself. I'm not asking. Someone punches you in the face like that maniac on Berkeley. Don't sit there and take it. But someone rips a hat off your head. Folks, you call the cops. Oh, I don't want to call. No, no, no. You make a scene. No, you make a scene. That's your property. Someone steals it, you call the cops, they get the bracelets, and they go to jail. You make a scene. I don't want to make a scene. No, 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 you do. Old Rosianne wasn't quite thinking that through when she ripped the hat off the guy's head. The guy in Berkeley who punched that kid in the face. Mm. Made that kid a celebrity and good for that kid. Showed up at CPAC, got a shout out by Donald Trump. Trump never forgets the people. I'm telling you right now, love this guy or hate this guy, Joe. You know I know this and you know why. And I'm going to keep that Mm -hmm. private. But Mm -hmm. gosh, this guy deeply respects the people who back him up when he needs it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about players and the people who can do him political favors. I'm talking about the people who do shows like this and the people who go out on college campuses and get punched in the face for the cause. He never, ever forgets that. Ever. From a guy the left wants you to believe is some evil genius. Really? Why does he call people on the phone and thank them for fighting for the cause? For no, who, He's the president of the United States. Do you know how many people he's called? Joe, am I making this up? Mm. Do you know how many people? You know the story. He more, has called more. on the phone on his workday who can do nothing for him <laughs> to thank them. The list is long. 
Yeah. More than I would even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know a lot of them. And yeah. I have a sense of privacy. I'm going to keep that between us. Certainly. But I'm telling you, it happens all the time. He's the president of the United States. He respects people who make a scene. Finally, there was that video in the, that Edmond uh, Santa Fe High School. That kid in the hallway with the MAGA hat. Other kid uh, confronts him, rips his hat off. He doesn't give up that hat or that flag. Another, people, another guy gets it on video. That other kid's in a world of trouble. You make a scene. You make a scene every time. The time for not making a scene and letting all this pass, ladies and gentlemen, is over. We're going to expose these people. They picked this fight, not us. You know, I was having a conversation last night. And it devolved into, I don't know where this is going to go. I mean, are we eventually going to split into uh, the United States and the conservative United States? God, I hope not. But I made the point, Joe, that that wouldn't work. Mm. That wouldn't work. You know why that wouldn't work? Say there was a schism and Texas and Florida, you know, I, I, it wouldn't work. I, I go back and forth on this, but you know why it wouldn't work, Joe? Because mm. you and I as conservatives and liberty lovers just want to be left alone. I don't care what New York does if New York was not taking my tax money as part of the United States. If there were 50 separate countries within the United States and we weren't the United States, Mm -hmm. I don't care what New York does. I just want to be left alone with my big R right to petition, to practice my religion, to speak, to assemble, to live, to run a business. I just want to be left alone. The reason a schism in the United States would never work, Joe, is because liberals do not want to leave you alone. It is not good enough for them to live their lives a certain way. They have to do it to you as well, while hypocritically not even doing the same things they recommend for you. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, too. You know what? Maybe I'll get right to that. With the Alexandria, we're going to throw the show script up a little bit. I had a different plan in mind. The people like Alexandria, the hypocrite fraud, Ocasio-Cortez, she's not good enough with making recommendations for her life because she doesn't want those recommendations. She wants you to do it. Sanders, too. Fraud. Phony. Three home Bernie. Breadlines Bernie. He wants you to sit on Breadlines Bernie while this cat has three houses. What a fake, phony fraud. Three homes. He has a lake home, a home in Burlington, and a town home in D.C. This phony wants you to live in a shack on a bread line. Not Bernie. These people are frauds. A schism would never work because they never want to leave you alone. If Texas split off from the United States, it would only be moments before liberals moved into Texas to take over Texas, too. You will never get away from this fight. Never. Because they cannot leave you alone. They will never leave you alone. The entire essence of liberalism is about encroaching on your money, your business, your health care, your kids' education, everything. We leave them alone. They will never, ever leave us alone. Ladies and gentlemen, make a scene. 
everywhere. The time for not making a scene is over. And I wish the anti-CPAC Trump haters and all of these people, oh, just lie down and take it. The slimy sellout GOP class would wake up and recognize the fight we're in. I agree with you. The world would be a better place if our discourse was more civil. But we didn't choose this. The left chose this. You understand they're fighting us with boxing gloves soaked in tar and nails. And you want us to do what? Put on 20-ounce gloves that are like pillows to fight back? While pleading to the ref to get involved? The ref, who, and the media in this case, who's a sellout to the left already? Do you understand the fight we're in? Have you, have you lost your perspective? All right. I want to move on to Ocasio-Cortez because, again, this is important stuff. Hold the left to their own standards and watch their credibility evaporate in front of our very eyes. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Ladies and gentlemen, Brickhouse Nutrition has been a sponsor with me from the beginning. I really appreciate this company. Miles, who runs it, does a great job. They make the finest nutrition supplements out there. Uh, one of the best supplements they make is called Field of Greens. Listen, we all know, everybody knows, you know included, your health matters. Take care of yourself first. You know you're supposed to be eating a lot of fruits and vegetables. It's obvious. But why do you not do it? Well, the answers are obvious. I know, because when I was younger, I didn't eat a lot of fruits and vegetables either. They're perishable if you don't get them in cans. Sometimes when it's canned, it tastes a little old. You don't like the taste. They're tough to prepare the right way sometimes to get them to taste good. And some people just don't like the taste of fruits and vegetables. Brickhouse Nutrition has that problem solved for you. They devised a product called Field of Greens. I begged them to start this product because I love these products. I said, listen, I I love these fruit and vegetable powders, but a lot of them are garbage. They're extract. They don't taste good. Miles said, I'm on it. He went and sought out well, his doctor buddy, who's one of his nutrition supplements and uh, nutrition consultants, and they put together Field of Greens, which is a mixture and combination of some of the finest, cleanest, healthiest fruits and vegetables out there, ground up into a powder. You put it in water, you put it in juice, you put it in your protein shakes, whatever you want. You take a couple of scoops a day and your cognitive abilities, your immune system, we know fruits and vegetables. We know that's better for all of this, your physical health. It is your fruit and vegetable insurance every single day. It tastes delicious. I love it. Folks, it is worth your time. Please give it a shot. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up your jar of Field of Greens today. You will love this product. I give it to my kids. My wife takes it. My mother-in-law takes it. It is the key to good health. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a jar of Field of Greens today. You will love it. Tastes great, too. Okay. Um, on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in case you uh, believe that, oh, oh, she's genuine. She's a warrior for the cause. Joe, what's her thing? Fighting against yeah. the swamp. I'm in this for the little guy. These vested yeah. interests. You know me. Yeah, this, I'm at the front of the line here at the, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If there was a, a triangle of truth, I'm at the tip of that triangle spear going, I'm a warrior for justice. Are you really? So I found this interesting. I pulled this clip off Twitter. This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez making a big stink about how basically she wants Donald Trump to disclose financial documents because, of course, you know, she's a police state tyrant and she believes that they have open authority to investigate people, not crimes. You know what they do in third world republics. You don't investigate crimes. You investigate people till you find the crime. So keep in mind, in this little clip, she displays no evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump has done anything wrong. She just wants to use the powers of Congress, of which she has some of them, 435th of it. 
uh, to attack Donald Trump and investigate him endlessly. But it's the end of this that's really interesting in light of some breaking news about some problems Ocasio-Cortez has herself. Play that cut. Well, I think, you know, you hear the president say no collusion, no collusion, no collusion, right? He's always talking about the focus on the relationship between his campaign and Russia, which is uh, the, the scope of that investigation is under the House Intelligence Committee, as well as several other investigatory body, bodies. So while he's talking collusion, 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 I think in oversight, we should be talking about taxes, 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 and his bank account, his bank account, his bank account, his financial statements, 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 um, because that's where I think actually some of the most troubling practices are with direct relevance to the American people. Uh, oh, isn't that great? Isn't that special? So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> wants to review Trump's financial situation. But keep in mind, she produces no evidence mm-hmm. of an actual crime or any right. criminality whatsoever, as a matter of fact. But she wants evidence of Donald Trump's financial statements and wants that disclosure. Oh, isn't this great? You know what broke yesterday, Joe? Hmm. That Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff apparently uh, is being accused of funneling money from donors into a private company he controls. Now you say, Joe, oh, how much money? A couple bucks, five, ten beans here or there, whatever. You know, a couple eh. dollars here or there, maybe a 20 spot. Who knows? You know, eh. five ducats. No, no, Joe, <laughs> close to 800000 dollars funneled by Sakra Chakrabadi, who is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff, into companies he controls. Now, all right, uh, so listen. Now, unlike Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who wants Donald Trump's financial documents just because she does, uh, she has no evidence of a crime and she believes in police state tyranny. Now we have actual evidence of potential wrongdoing by the chief of staff to Representative Ocasio-Cortez, a potential uh, donor laundering operation into money he into companies he controls. Let's get to that. You know what, Miss Cortez, why don't you put that out first? Let's see where that goes before we start focusing on your uh, witch hunt of Donald Trump and his financial documents again, make a scene. Make a scene. They want to uh, attempt to expose Donald Trump for financial documents with no allegation of wrongdoing. Well, let's play that game too. Miss uh, AOC, I'd like to see the records on that. I want to see where that money came from, where it went, what it was spent on. Oh, it gets better, Joe. Oh. That's not it with uh oh yeah, yeah, that's not oh. it with Representative Ocasio Cortez. She's got another problem too. Hmm. Article in the Washington Examiner today. It's all in my show notes today. Please check it out. By the way, that clip of me on uh uh with uh with uh Leo Tyrell, I have at the show notes today, an article by BizPack Review that wrote it up, so check that out too. Miss Cortez has another problem, Joe. So remember when she came out last week and we we attacked this where she said, listen, I'm going to pay my staff a living wage of 52000 yeah. She's not paying them anything. The taxpayers are. And right. I'm not going to pay any of my staff more than $80,000. Income right. inequality for everyone. Right. Yeah, well, that's really cute because as uh, some people who do congressional oversight from the outside and, uh, and, and monitor potential corruption, they notice something interesting about the number. The $80,000 salary ceiling she set for her staff. Hmm. Let me read to you from the Washington Examiner, Joe. Representative Ocasio-Cortez's decision to cap her office salaries at $80,000 will let her chief of staff 
the same guy just told you has all these financial troubles here. And senior employees avoid public transparency laws that would require them to reveal outside income, gifts, and stock trading activity. The New York Democrat announced last week she would institute living wage rules in her office, paying staff members a minimum of 52000 a year and a maximum of eighty k a year. Now, now it all makes sense, Joe. Now, why would she do that? <laughs> Because when you pay these people, including our chief of staff, who now apparently has these allegations of some kind of donor money laundering surfacing around him, if he gets paid $80,000 a year or less, Joe, he doesn't have to reveal a lot of his payment documents to the public. Wow. Isn't that convenient? Gosh, Miss Cortez, she's such an outsider warrior against the swamp despite the fact the swamp's revenge here is her actually being forced to live by her own rules we need to disclose donald trump's financial documents but if i pay my staff less than eighty thousand, you won't get to see their financial documents while allegations are swirling that their finances are a mess and they may have been laundering donor money into companies they own personally how about that? How about yeah. that? We need that. We need it, that. <laughs> yeah, the Dr. Phil. How about that? How about that? <laughs> this week in baseball. But how about that? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Total, complete frauds. So one, her chief of staff is credibly being accused of some serious malfeasance with donor money. Sounds awfully swampy to me. Secondly, oh, I'm not going to pay them more than 80000 Wow, that conveniently hides all their paperwork. Amazing how that works out. And one final AOC story. Make a scene. Hold them all to account. AOC's mom, I don't know her first name. I think it begins with a B. So B-O-C. <laughs> Apparently somebody <laughs> did some interview with her. And they found out she moved to Florida to escape the, high, the sky-high taxes in New York. So again, this is one of those things. What's good for thee is not good for me or my family. I'm not making this up, Joe. So of of course you had Maggie Haberman, left-wing propagandist for the New York Times, pretends to be a reporter, who had to tweet out, oh, look, Trump's tax laws did this because people are going to get hammered in New York by the salt deduction. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's mom, Maggie, moved before the tax law passed. And based on what we think her income is, she would have benefited from it. Again, stop pretending to be a journalist. Just put on your Twitter, Maggie Haberman, full-time liberal activist. Stop pretending. Just stop pretending. Just admit what you are. You're an opinion columnist that propagandizes for the left. Period. Full stop. Thanks. Her mom left for Florida to not pay the high tax. I couldn't get over that, so I thought it was the greatest thing ever. All right, let me do this, friend. Remember, get I got some other, I got a lot of stuff to get to today. It's a really busy show. All right, uh, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Bravo Company Manufacturing. I have a rifle and a pistol from them. BCM makes some of the finest products out there. I tell the story all the time. Their rifles are so good. When I went to the local uh, uh, FFL to pick up the rifle they shipped to me. The guy couldn't believe it. He's like, brother, these are really, really great. I don't think you know what you have here. So I do. I've heard from some of my Secret Service buddies how great they are. Uh, Bravo Company Manufacturing. Listen, owning a rifle is an important responsibility, and building rifles is no different. This company, BCM, was started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago. Bravo Company Manufacturing, or BCM for short, builds a professional-grade product. 
built to combat standards. It's because they believe the same level of protection should be provided to every American, regardless if they're a private citizen or a professional. Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company. They manufacture life-saving equipment. Every rifle that leaves their factory, they understand, could be used tragically at times in a life-saving situation that you do not want to be involved in. But if you are, they know that product has to function and function well. They fully understand this. They know it will be used by a responsible citizen, law enforcement officer, or a soldier overseas. Quality matters to them. Every component of a BCM rifle is hand-assembled and tested in Heartland, Wisconsin, to a life-saving standard. They put people before their products. BCM knows making reliable, life-saving tools is only half the story. They also work with instructors of marksmanship from top levels of American Special Forces. These instructors then teach the skills necessary to defend yourself, family, or others. Learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing. Go to bravocompanymfg.com. That's bravocompanymfg.com where you can discover more about their products, special offers, and upcoming news. Look at their, it's amazing. They're really high quality stuff. That's bravocompanymfg.com. You need more convincing? Go to their YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa, youtube.com slash bravocompanyusa. Okay. So Chuck Ross, uh, who's done some really spectacular work over at the Daily Caller on the Spygate case, has a piece out today in the show notes. Uh, I really hope you take a look at it. It's very, very good. Um, He talks about uh, this information superhighway. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a little tease here. I'm working on book two. We are about a third of the way done on the Spygate scandal. It is a uh, accompanying book to book one called Spygate, which I wrote with um, Denise McAllister and Matt Palumbo, which I appreciate you picking up. Did very well. Uh, book two is going to blow your mind. It's packed uh, full of new information that comes out that's come out since the launch of the first book, um, and it's also written in a different format. Whereas the first book was more of a police file, which I, I hope you and people loved it because you can skip around and read how all the players interconnect. The second book tells it in a narrative form and fills in some of the missing holes from number one. I think you're going to love it. It's going to be a little shorter, but a whole lot sweeter. You're going to really enjoy this book. But one of the things we were doing yesterday. Uh, on the project is we were putting together the motivations for people and we were talking about this information laundering operation where, again, all roads lead back to Hillary and Obama. They started this with this fake information from Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS and they made sure the information made it back to the FBI and they laundered it through multiple channels. One of the channels I often bring up is the State Department channel and it appears the middleman, the, uh, the, 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 the carrier pigeon here, the guy carrying the information from the Hillary team in that deadly diamond, remember we talked about it yesterday, arrivals and departures? Yeah. The information mm-hmm. departed the Hillary team. It got to a conduit, a carrier pigeon, and made it back to the FBI and law enforcement. It appears that main individual, there were a couple, but the main guy is this guy, Jonathan Weiner. Now, Chuck Ross has some, some new information about Weiner in this piece yesterday. And it's an interesting little nugget in here. Here's the piece. It says Weiner also handled another dossier on Trump that matched up with some of the salacious claims made in Steele's report. Sidney Blumenthal, Clinton crony, gave Weiner a dossier on Trump that had been compiled by his fellow Clinton insider Cody Shear. The Cody Shear memo contains some of the salacious allegations about Trump's activities in Moscow. Weiner has acknowledged that he gave Shear the memo to Steele, who in turn provided it to the FBI. Now, you may say, what about this is new? Now we know, according to Chuck Ross's pieces yesterday, that not only was Steele, Steel, Christopher Steele, talking to Jonathan Weiner at the State Department, but Weiner was simultaneously 
being uh, contacted by Christopher Simpson of Fusion GPS, who still worked for in an effort to set this thing up. Another meeting, folks. In other words, Simpson would not let this go. This guy is being paid by the Clinton team to traffic this information, and he absolutely wouldn't let it go. Right. So there's two key takeaways from this. Number one, you know, when we're putting together the book, Spygate 2, the sequel here, we haven't uh, titled it yet, but I keep talking about motivations. And one of the key elements of, of a, a debunked conspiracy theory is an easy answer, Joe, right? We've said this mm-hmm, a lot. Yeah. You know, if you're blaming it on whatever, the space aliens or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and that's your simple tie-up, you know, the Martians did it, you're probably wrong. And there's a reason for that. The reason conspiracy theories typically fall apart is because there rarely, if ever, are easy answers when it involves government corruption. It's precisely because of the line I cite often by Father Bob Sirico at the Acton Institute, who said one time in a speech that it's not that government's too big, it's that government's too stupid. Um, And he's right. He's not Mm. talking about Mm -hmm. the people who get work boots on and go to work every day. He's talking about the higher ups and the bureaucrats who most have no experience in the business world whatsoever, many of them, and pretend to know everything. They're not smart enough to coordinate a huge conspiracy. And in that, they have conflicting motivations. So one of the points of book two is to make the point that there is no easy tie-up to the conspiracy to take down the Trump team, but we can easily go through all the players and describe their possible motivations for being a part of this spy operation on the Trump team. One Mm -hmm. of them is Weiner. Jonathan Weiner at the State Department, ladies and gentlemen, is intimately connected to a network of personal contacts with the Clinton administration the Bill Clinton presidency, and Hillary Clinton herself, obviously. But also, what's Weiner's role at the State Department, Joe? Weiner's deeply connected to Libya. Libya was a major flashpoint in the Obama administration because of the debacle in Benghazi when we lost four American patriots to a terror attack. The Obama administration, disingenuously and lying about it, blamed on a video. Of course, Weiner had a had a role, along with Victoria Newland in the State Department, who had drafted a lot of the talking points for the Benghazi debacle. Of course, they had a role in making sure none of this came out. Was it the sole reason? No, they probably hated Donald Trump, too. But everybody had a motivation for making sure Hillary was elected president. And none of this stuff ever came to light. But secondly, this is fascinating. Continuing, Chuck Ross ends the piece. The State Department has previously declined comment on Weiner's activities. He is now a senior advisor to APCO Worldwide, a global public relations firm. Wow, where have we heard that before? APCO. Yeah. Think, think. As, again, Miss Gilfeather from fifth grade, God rest her soul. You say, put your thinking caps on. Mm-hmm. Where did we hear APCO? So Jonathan Weiner, who is a, 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 par- a carrier pigeon in the State Department for debunked, discredited dossier information. Now we believe from Simpson, as well as Christopher Steele from Glenn Simpson, too. That's the new information that Simpson tried to contact him. Where have we heard APCO? APCO, ladies and gentlemen, was a lobby firm that was working on behalf of some of the companies lobbying on behalf of some of the Russian tied companies that were trying to purchase our uranium and did so in the Uranium One deal. APCO was trying to make that happen. Mm -hmm. APCO also worked on behalf of the Clinton Foundation pro bono. In other words, gratis for free. Why would they do that? Mm -hmm. While at the same time lobbying for the Russians. Now, to be fair to APCO, APCO's claims that these business units were separate and nothing to do with one another. Fine. 
I put their defense out there. I'm just telling you it's interesting in the Trump case where Miss Cortez just said basically where there's smoke, there's fire, but there's no smoke or no fire. But here there's a whole lot of smoke and a whole lot of fire with APCO and Weiner. And all of a sudden, everybody in the liberal media seems to not care. So Weiner's now working for APCO, who did pro bono work for the Clintons while lobbying on behalf of the Uranium One deal, while simultaneously Weiner's relaying information to the, the FBI about Donald Trump through Christopher Steele about the same Russians? No, you don't see any of this as odd? <laughs> Again, where are the entrepreneurial media types doing any kind of basic research into this? The answer is they're nowhere to be found. All right. Um, I want to I'm gonna get into this a little bit of a lighter story, and then I want to get to my final story about the tax cuts. Phil Graham has a great piece in the Wall Street Journal today that's just terrific. I want to get into. But I read kind of a I don't do a lot of these, you know, lighter things. I just don't want to waste your time. But I saw, I saw this in the journal today. I thought it was kind of funny. It was in their most popular section. Joe, uh, you know, um, Americans, we're hard chargers. You know, sometimes we glide yeah, through grammar school and high school. We are. Um, you know, and, and, and we have a lot of fun, play baseball, football, whatever you do, sports, lacrosse, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, they do a lot. Of, and then they get to college. And I, I notice this, at least, that we're, we're late bloomers. We just are. I mean, I don't mean to stereotype uh, the entire country. It'd be ridiculous. But my experience is we are, we are late bloomers. You know, whereas other cultures, they emphasize like the tiger mom type stuff from the start where the kids yeah. got to be playing piano by the time they're four. Mm-hmm. We don't do that here. We let our kids be kids generally. And I, I know with me, you know, when I was about 17 or 18, I decided I wanted to be a doctor, go to medical school or change the world mm-hmm. somehow. And I became this really hard charger. I just a lot of you did, too. Um, you know, I don't, I don't mean to sound in any way pretentious about it. Most of you have, too. But I was reading a story and it reminded me of my experience in college where all these kids who had, you know, slacked off a lot, went to college and became just like dynamos. <laughs> the new thing now is this hard charging generation of Americans. They want their credit scores to be 800. So there's an article in the Wall Street Journal about like the pursuit oh. for 800. The eight, you know, you can maximum credit scores 850. Like this is the new thing. Like there's such perfectionists, this generation of, of, of young Americans that are now in college and you know, they want to go to, they want to be the captain of the baseball team and, you know, graduate summa cum laude and all. But now their thing is 800 credit scores. I looked at this and I laughed. I, you know, I, I, I said to Paul, I'm like, this is the new thing, like an 800 credit <laughs> score. I, I've never heard of such a thing, really. Hey, imagine it. You're, you're on a date. You're in the local watering hole. You see a, a nice young lady. You want to talk to you. Like, hey, how's it going? You know, you know, I have an 850 credit score. I can't even imagine what she's saying. Oh, okay, great. Uh, check, please. Thank you. Have a nice day. I have an 800 credit score. This is a thing. It's a subscription only article, so I'm not going to include it. But, and I never talk about this stuff. But I just thought it was funny because, in a way, I see it as a positive. It just is indicative of what I learned in my time um, as a cop, a secret service agent. That we are. We're just late bloomers, and when we get there. And we're done being kids. It's on. Like, we care about everything. The captain of the team, your grades, your credit score. <laughs> I just found that story to be just so, that is, that's so American of us. We want to be 800. We're not, we're 700 isn't good enough. I remember when I, I bought this Acura TL one time. And I had good credit growing up. And uh, I was in this, uh, it was in Annapolis. And I went in, I was talking to the guy, he's a big bodybuilder guy. And uh, I said, how's my credit? He's like, man, it's, you could buy the building. It was good. I always took my credit seriously. Like that was <laughs> yeah. me growing up. So now apparently it's a big, but I never, I've seriously, I've never monitored my, I just went on today for the first time being inspired to check my own credit score because I've never thought of doing that. 
hey, check my credit score out. Yeah, that, that was yeah, the last thing I was interested in at that time. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah. I was the opposite so of you. Yeah. Of us, right? <laughs> All right, so this is a serious article. So I read this uh, other one in the journal today. Phil Graham, great op-ed um, in the Wall Street Journal today, talking about how the tax cuts uh, have been an unequivocal, uh, basically... Uh, You'd have to be an idiot to ignore the positive effects of the Trump tax cut plan. Right. But not only that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that that's a simple talking point. Yeah, the tax cuts worked. Okay, why? It's not just that he writes that they worked. He contrasts it with some of the tax hikes in the Obama administration, and he puts out some numbers I think you'll find pretty fascinating. I know I did. So keep in mind what we're doing here. The lead of the story is the Obama tax hikes, he hiked the income tax rates versus the Trump tax cuts. And I don't just want to talk about the growth rates. I want to talk about in this how it impacted tax revenue because the liberal talking point is we need more tax revenue. So we should hike taxes. Okay. So let's talk about what actually happened when Obama hiked taxes and let's use the actual facts and data Uh, from the piece, Joe. Mm -hmm. Today's changes in economic growth overwhelm the direct effects of policy changes. After president Obama raised income taxes in 2013, they expected Joe to collect an extra $650 billion over 10 years. So let's be clear here. Obama hikes taxes. The Obama administration expected a windfall of $650 billion additional tax dollars due to their tax hike over 10 years. Mm-hmm. The CBO, Joe, had predicted annual growth would average 3.7% through 2016 after those tax hikes. Well, a fair question now that those tax hikes are over and that period of time is over to 2016 would be, well, what actually happened? Did we raise the actual revenue over that 10-year, which hasn't closed yet, obviously, but we're, we're ways through it? And did we meet those growth targets? Here we go. When the actual growth rate through 2014 through 2016 was 40% lower than predicted, Joe, the CBO revised its revenue estimate down by an astonishing $3.1 trillion. Oh. 4.7 <laughs> times the amount the tax increase was supposed to collect. So let's get this straight. Again, liberals, I know facts and data are hard. I get it. I know you've taken the vaccine against facts at an early age. But the Obama tax hikes, they predicted a $650 billion windfall due to the decreased growth from those tax hikes and that money coming out of the economy. They have now revised the estimate to the, to the point where they think they're going to lose $3.1 trillion, which is nearly five times the amount it was supposed to collect. Joe, I bring this up always with you on the yes. line because you live in Maryland still. Yes. You were there when I was there. Remember yeah. when Governor O'Malley, liberal Democrat, instituted the millionaire's tax? Oh, Remember yeah, that one? Daddy. That gem? And they said, oh, it's going to raise $100 million plus in taxes. What did it actually <laughs> do, Joe? People fled Maryland in droves. The thing wound but up wait, losing almost twice the amount back. it was supposed to raise. Come Remember back. that? It, yeah. yeah, they were begging <laughs> these Marylanders to come back. They all it moved to Pennsylvania. It was awful. Virginia. Yeah. This actually happened. And, and this is what's so frustrating about liberals. It's yeah. like it, it, the facts never get in the way of their stupid arguments. The CBO, it goes on, also cut its growth estimate for 2016 by $524 billion. That's $6,475 of GDP for every family Dude. of four in America. Now, one more paragraph here. <laughs> Conversely, when economic growth in 2018, the Trump era, came in higher 
than the 2% the CBO had predicted in the previous year. This windfall added $4,740 of GDP for every family of four and prompted the CBO to Mm -hmm. increase its federal revenue projections for the next decade by $1.2 trillion. Folks, again, don't let this get in the way of your silly liberal arguments. But do you see what I'm getting at here? Oh, yeah. The tax hikes under the Obama administration projected to raise money cost the government, based on the updated projections, up to five times the amount it was supposed to raise, while the tax cuts by Trump actually generated revenue. They generated revenue because it put more money in people's pockets who promptly went out and did what? Spent it on their businesses. They're a barber. They bought new scissors. The scissor company then had to buy more steel. The steel company then had to buy more iron ore. The iron ore company had to pay a miner. Uh, The miner then had to go out and buy stuff to feed his family. At every level of production, all of those people earning more revenue because the money was in their pocket, not the government's, Paid income taxes, paid uh, state taxes, paid local taxes, paid sales taxes. Economic activity generates taxes by the very nature of the taxing of the economic activity. You don't need to increase the rates. You need to increase, Joe, the activity. This is not hard. Now, fair analysis, when you look at the Laffer curve, which are named after Art Laffer, which ironically I opened up the show with saying, you know, this this is unfortunately, because you may say, Dan, yeah. you're saying people argue the Laffer curve don't want to fight back. No, no, I'm saying you can fight back, but you should also base it in facts and data, but the facts and data shouldn't overcome your tactical responsibility to understand what a guerrilla war is going on in politics. But the Laffer curve, yes, a zero tax rate is going to mean zero money, but a 100% tax rate is going to mean zero money too. How's that? You're taxing everything at 100%. Because all you're going to do is tax it once and no one's ever going to work again. Right. There is a sweet spot, folks. That sweet spot we know over time is about 18 to 20% of GDP. That is where people understand they have to fund the constitutional roles of government, but see anything above that generally based on Hauser's Law as a confiscation of the money and assets and you see a slowdown in economic activity. Listen, I'm just giving you the numbers. If the numbers offend you, I'm really sorry. But those are, in fact, the numbers. All right, um, let me wrap this up. Listen, I appreciate your listenership, your viewership. Um, we've been putting these shows on YouTube, even though we had a little uh, snafu today. We'll put the, we will put this show on YouTube. I don't care, even if we had a little technical snafu. Um, it's YouTube.com slash Dan Bongino. But I just want to reiterate in closing, folks, It's time to make a scene out there. I mean it. The left isn't kidding around anymore. The party of John F. Kennedy is dead. That Democrat party, those are now basically moderate Republicans. The radical leftists have taken over the party. It's time to fight back. Don't take it anymore. There's no more lying down. Don't let anybody impugn your character or try to defame you. Don't let them do it on TV. Don't let them do it at dinner. And I'll leave you with this final note. I got an email a while ago, maybe like three, four years ago. I remember if it was I was running for office or the podcast. Forgive me. I don't remember the details. Mm-hmm. But a guy said to me, and I'm reminded of it because I got a tweet saying the same thing last night where someone tweeted to me. He said, listen, Dan, 
you know, I've got a bunch of friends and, you know, I don't want to lose my friends because of politics. Folks, I'm sorry. Um, that's no, I, I'm, I can't accept that. I've lost a ton of friends. Some I still have. There are friends I still have who worked, you know, in the Obama administration with me. We have political disagreements. We're still friends. I'm friends with a lot of people on Fox who are liberals. But if you're going to lose a friend because they have some kind of policy disagreement with you, they weren't friends in the first place. And remember this. You worried about losing your friends. Are you worried about losing your country? Because it's happening right now in front of your very eyes. No more lying down, folks. Every opportunity you can, you go out and make a scene. You go cause a ruckus. Remember that dance show we did? It's not the first guy to get up and dance. It's the second guy to join him. Be that guy. You watch someone out there getting into it and someone, you back them up. And remember, they're the violent ones, not us. They seek aggressive confrontation, not us. But fight back. Make a scene. It matters, folks. All right. Thanks for everything today. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. If you can kind of spread the word about the show, it's important we rally around the troops here. We need this. I don't want to, I don't want to even be left out there and alone. No, leaving no more, uh, no more people out there on the battlefield. We got to back up our buddies. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. I appreciate it. I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24 seven at D Bongino.